all the goth DJs and Twitch witches are hanging out on Thursday for the bad VHS rips, unblinking eyes, and fire by night. Thetans and Satans comes from an interest in the cult of Scientology, moral panics, Satanism, and how they set the tone for the extremist social media panics of today. We really earn our weird left Twitch badge with this show, watching the world go red light in reverse every Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. At some point, we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds. Just a bunch of people. 
everybody welcome to down ballot <clears throat> we do the show live every tuesday 7 30 p.m pacific right here on twitch that's twitch.tv slash echoplex media you can find everything about us at echoplexmedia.com i'm producer dave you can find me on grinder oh, i have no sound from you I don't see anything on the, the meter from Video Ninja. Strange. Are you getting me now? There we go. Everybody, in case so, you were, when, when I say this show is recorded live, I mean this show is recorded live. What's up, Councilman? <laughs> Let's do it live. Uh, this is the Councilman with you, as always, from the Nether Sphere. I was actually in the fourth dimension. That's why you couldn't hear me. Um, so I've, I've come back to this you know plebeian land to uh, tell you all that I've learned and to reap the benefits of uh, the future knowledge that I have, um, maybe not in the stock market, but in other ways. Um, I know what's going to happen in OpenAI. I do, really. So I'll tell you about it later. Anyway, good to see you, Producer Dave. You too. You too. Well, <clears throat> we have a docket. Thank you for doing the docket this week. I didn't have time. I've been still chasing down, chasing down, chasing down, and fucking on some other on some other Xenu shit. Anyway. Have you, have you caught anything? No. Other than COVID? No, not I haven't even caught COVID. Just uh, good, good on you. just uh, caught a bunch of people accusing me of working for the cult of Scientology. You don't? <laughs> no, I, I clearly don't. I mean, volunteer, sure, but work, no. Oh, that's how we <laughs> met. Maybe I'm tripping. Maybe that was some other Dave. Yeah, it might have been another Dave. Uh, David Miscavige, actually. There you go, right? Many and, Daves out there. Anyway, shall we get to the docket? Yeah, what do we got for leading off? Well, leading off, it's... Uh, I don't know if it'll be the final chapter, but it's one of the final chapters in the story we, uh, we've been covering for uh, uh, since it happened, basically, over a year ago. Uh, the gentleman who attacked Nancy Pelosi's husband in her home was convicted. Uh, so we're going to see more about the, the final verdict here from KTVU. Francisco, though, totally separate from what we've been reporting on all morning. That breaking news says that David DePap has been found guilty of assault and attempted kidnapping charges for an attack on the husband of then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi last year. The jury delivered this verdict just minutes ago after deliberating for about eight hours in total. DePap is facing as many as 50 years in prison. During the trial, he admitted to breaking into the Pelosi's Pacific Heights home last October, said he intended to hold the then Speaker hostage. He also admitted to hitting Paul Pelosi with a hammer. Much of the incident you see here was captured on police body camera video. A lot of graphic testimony. DePap himself took the stand for his own defense. We saw Paul Pelosi take the stand as well. Our Christian captain's been in the courtroom all morning. He will uh, have a live report for us coming up at noon. Yeah, we're going to take a, a quick break here. Uh, and we're going to have much more on all of these breaking stories coming up here in about. They need well, somebody new over there cutting their, cutting their clips, clearly. <laughs> Absolutely. At least before they post them to YouTube. Um, so, uh, again, one of the final chapters in a long saga, um, and very sad saga, but I thought it would be good for, for leading up just to get us, get us going here. Any thoughts, uh, final thoughts on the David DePap and this, this case, Bruce Dave? I'm actually kind of surprised there wasn't an attempted murder charge because you swing a hammer like that at somebody's head, you're trying to kill him. That's a very, very good point. Uh, I wonder if there were some pretrial negotiation around what the charges were going to be, Poss possibly, who knows, uh, to, to expedite the trial. Yeah, they were um, like, oh, you're going to have him take the stand? We'll remove this one. Right. <laughs> you have nothing, um, right? Right. And they did, they were, I think the defense did try to do the insanity plea at some point, but or at least the not in the right mental state uh, plea at some point. But I do not believe that that was successful. I think they found that he was uh, well within his 
cognitive abilities. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, it's you know people don't people don't think about it much, but like for the court to find you incompetent to stand trial is a lot different than just people thinking you crazy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'd be competent to stand trial. To be honest with you, who knows? So we're going to move on here to winners and losers. This first story on winners and losers is really weird. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I figured you, uh, we'd prob- you'd probably be covering the uh, OpenAI saga uh, on one of the many other, myriad other uh, uh, shows on this network. So I figured we'd try to find a local angle on it that we could really uh, dig into, even though obviously it's a Silicon Valley story. Um, and yeah, uh, let's just run it because I'm not even sure what's going to happen here. And it's pretty <laughs> interesting. So this is MC Hammer and his take on OpenAI and what's going on in the past week. If you don't know, you don't know. Hammer time. Hammer time. Hi. Oh, yeah. Overnight, the artificial intelligence research organization brought back its chief executive officer, KTV's Amanda Quintana, is here now with the leadership shuffle at OpenAI. Amanda. <laughs> and a lot of us have been watching the yes. drama all mm-hmm. unfold. And it was revealed on social media late last night, OpenAI, the company that made the chat GPT software, they posted on X at 10 o'clock last night that Sam Altman would return as CEO. This comes after he was removed from the position on Friday with no real explanation why. OpenAI says it has now reached an agreement for Altman to return with a new initial board to replace the one that ousted him on Friday. They're still working out some other details, but a lot has happened since he was removed. Microsoft hired Altman days after he was released to lead a new advanced AI research team. And then nearly all of OpenAI's employees signed a letter calling for the resignation of the board and threatening to quit and go to Microsoft if Altman was not reinstated. Right after the announcement last night, Altman posted on X saying in part, I love OpenAI and everything I've done over the past few days has been in service of keeping this team and its mission together. When I decided to join Microsoft on Sunday evening, it was clear this was the best path for me and the team. I'm looking forward to returning to OpenAI and building on our strong partnership with Microsoft. Just before midnight, OpenAI president and CEO who quit in solidarity when Altman was fired posted this photo of employees smiling together saying, we are so back. Other tech leaders also reacting to the news. Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff sent a congratulations to OpenAI saying it's great to see the good guys win. Even rapper MC Hammer weighing in saying seeing the loyalty and commitment of the employees who stood with Altman was a thing of beauty. Many others joking that all of this drama will become a movie but still there are a lot of questions about what will happen and why Altman was even fired in the first place. Pam Andre back to you. We'll see what happens. I was hoping to hear more from MC Hammer himself, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that was a major cl- clickbait kind of a headline. Uh, <laughs> barely mentioned, and I think it was just her reading an MC Hammer X post. Um, anyway, have you covered this on uh, some of the other shows in the network? I mean, a little bit, but the you know we we covered his uh, Sam Sam Altman's ouster uh, on the How the Tech Are You? How the Tech Are You? Yeah. But then by the time that published, he was already back. So right, right. I think a lot of folks were in that kind of uh, that kind of uh, situation. I actually heard a podcast from the New York Times the other day that w- w- it was an interview with Altman two days, literally two days before all this shit went down. Um, and he's you know completely oblivious to anything you know coming down the pipe. So um, yeah, very interesting. Uh, to see the back and forth it's very curious to me how you you know restructure when like when the board is there to empowered to make a lot of these decisions right and hire and fire the ceo so who hires and fires the 
bored, right? I mean, they obviously, they police themselves, I guess, to some extent, but how are they going to reconstitute themselves? How does that work? Do they, you know, are people just forced out? Um, but uh, it, it, great to see this kind of solidarity um, behind a CEO, uh, especially a tech pro. Um, but I think it was something like 700, over 700 of the 770 employees at this company all signed a letter to the board saying, fuck you, bring him back or we're gone. Um, and that, that, that pretty rare to see that kind of um, solidarity amongst any employee group. So good, good, good on them. They got it. They were part of the uh, part of the work that got it done and got it turned around. Yeah, who who fucking knows what happened? And I mean, who cares? I mean, it was it was kind of interesting to follow, but I mean, the, the, there was they, the people on this board had no choice because their company was just no longer going to exist if they didn't fire themselves and bring this guy back, right? Right, and cash out and get their little severance package or whatever it is. Yeah, it's all just rich people getting richer and and you know uh, doing interesting things with technology that may or may not be benevolent or have some sort of uh, benevolent um, uh, application uh, more than likely will end up being corrupted and used for evil and nefarious purposes. Yeah. So we're going to move on. We're uh, coverage of the end of that apex summit. And it, uh, it seems that the small businesses around there are like goodbye. Yeah. Peace out. Um, because there were a lot of empty seats and a lot of uh, food wasted um, preparing for a, uh, you know, economic impact that apparently didn't happen. Surprise all the businesses and all the eyes on San Francisco making a lot of money for the economy here in the Bay Area. But for some small businesses, it was a different story. And they are glad that the Apex Summit is gone. We go to Leslie Gooden with that part of that story. But uh, Bonchon made the difficult decision to close last Wednesday. And uh, last Wednesday was our last day of operation. And uh, we're closing Thursday uh, through Saturday. And we'll reopen for business on Sunday. On Monday, we caught up with Manuel, the owner of Bonchon. And during APEC, it's located in the heart of the security zone. Since the fence went up the prior Thursday, our sales were down about 40% um, since the fence, uh, perimeter fence went in. Uh, once it was sealed, and after you left that Monday, uh, our sales were down 40%, or 80%, I'm sorry. And uh, so Monday was our worst day. Um, in 12 years. Manuel says he and some of the restaurants in Metreon were hopeful and said they wanted to take the city's word that APEC was going to be profitable for small businesses. Is a sign from the city to show us that we are not the sacrificial lambs for the hosting of APEC, that we weren't considered acceptable collateral damage uh, to being hosts to these dignitaries and CEOs. Now there are only three restaurants at the food court that are staying open. One of them is Bimmy Pokey, who says they have no choice. We sell in the seafood, so and I order a lot of, you know, like uh, food. So I, I don't want to waste that, you know, I don't want to throw it away. So I can't, you know, I just try to keep opening to sell whatever, you know, I can. Sammy says this week was terrible for her. And now she and Manuel say they hope the city hears their pleas. Uh, grants, uh, we can apply it, you know. We need a help, like a, a real help. You know, not just, you know, like uh, reduce the tax or, you know, like a uh, uh, license fee, you know. It doesn't help, you know. Like a couple hundred dollars doesn't help for us. Get our numbers in order for what happened to us this week and, and go to the city and call for, call for some action, right? Uh, there needs to be a, a damages-related subsidy provided to the restaurants that had to go through this and small businesses that had to go through this 
to help us cover our rent, to help us cover our payroll. Yeah, these like I, we talk about this all the time. These big events actually don't do the city. The city is like you. Oh, we're putting in anything from we're putting into a, in a stadium to we're just gonna have this big fucking event here, and then like it. No, it doesn't help any. Doesn't help the doesn't help the small businesses ever. Yeah, and they keep well, they keep the area and the the space so controlled, right? In this case, I, you know they've chalked it up to security, but really it's just creating controlled spaces where you know controlled meaning you control everything from what people are eating to what they're consuming in terms of media to what they're seeing, right? Um, and that's what's created around conferences like APEC. Frankly, it's what's created around a lot of conventions. They want you to be stuck in this loop of constantly going back to the same Cinnabon over and over again. And unfortunately, uh, these these guys and, and other uh, small vendors uh, and small businesses and just businesses in general um, outside the comfort zone of the you know event space, um, they miss out. Um, and a lot of times you're, they're bringing in vendors and businesses from outside the city, right? Or outside the local area, right? Uh, uh, national and international vendors, right? Who, uh, who have tons of money and can afford to just, uh, to pop up a shop right in the middle of this convention for, for a couple of days. Um, but, uh, it, it certainly has, uh, unintended, I don't know, unintended consequences. I think known consequences. I'm sure that, <laughs> that economic development experts at the city or whatever are well aware of uh, what, what they're doing. Um, and they just choose to ignore, these uh, these folks and uh, they choose to not like he said treat them as ex as expendable as as collateral damage um but good on bonchon for saying like let's go down to city hall let's get into public comment let's get up in these people's faces hell yeah so um <clears throat> as again this show is live my uh camera main camera seems to have frozen so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna run this next uh story and uh let you uh do the commentary cool. on it it's very related, actually. This is about uh, so that uh, some street vending in San Francisco. There's a little hiatus uh, that's being placed on it, and of course, the SF officials who are instituting it decided they would wait until they're actually about to implement the the <laughs> the ban uh, before they actually met with the folks who it's going to impact. So here's more about their meeting. The 90-day ban on street venting on San Francisco's Mission District has begun. Quieren pagar su renta. Quieren para vestirse. On 24th Street's Bar Plaza, members of the recently formed Mission Street Vendors Association asked for one more month. 116 vendors who are permitted, who have been in this community, some as long as 35 years, some as long as 10, 15 years, have unfortunately been displaced. Across the street, San Francisco police officers ready for enforcement. We never see these kind of uh, uh, police officers, this amount of police officers in this neighborhood for the last two years. We barely, barely see one or two police officers for half an hour, 45 minutes, and then they're gone. Rodrigo Lopez has had a permit to sell out here for over a year. He views the ban as an unfair resolution to tackle those selling stolen items on the sidewalk. We comply with the city. The city asked me to do my uh, everything right, and we, do, we did it. And now the police give me uh, the same punishment from other people, from other uh, uh, vendors. 
for illegal vendors. Milagro López had her tables ready. She said she has proof of purchase. Es de procedencia legal, la mercancía. I have my receipts to be able to prove that I buy everything that I'm selling. In the crowd, Supervisor Hillary Ronan, who represents this district, and spearheaded the plan. She was asked by vendors to speak. The problem is there's another element that has taken over the streets of the mission that are stealing and selling stolen goods. And yes, we, you are a victim of that. It is true. I'm not going to lie to you. As the group continued to ask for an extension, one vendor handed Supervisor Ronan a paper rose as a sign of peace. Several in the crowd challenged her solutions, a storefront for 48 of them to sell indoors and an outdoor location with nine spots. And a member of the city's Office of Economic and Workforce Development spoke to vendors today and said there's a $1,000 stipend that some of them could qualify for, but they would have to register for a special course on how to run their business in the newsroom luz peña abc7 news well that's bullshit yeah uh it reminds me of the various flea market situation down here in san jose um and a lot of other situations where um folks are just trying to do what they can right and make it and get by and we're gonna crack down on them and force them out of you know an income because why because uh Couple people are selling illegal shit on the street in a big city. Oh my god! And someone, someone call a cop. <laughs> and they guess they did. They called lots of cops. So all that's going to happen is the people illegally vending are just going to go to Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. Sure. Yeah. Hundred percent. Or find another place to go than the mission. Right. Um, a lot of these people who are vending in the mission don't have anywhere else to go or they're living on the street. They're living feet probably from where they sell their wares. Um, so yeah, this is a complete bullshit. Um, and it's bullshit. That, that, thank you. know, Good on Hillary Ronan for going out and taking the slings and arrows, but that's kind of the job. Um, and also where the fuck were you when the ban was being implemented? Why are these people, you know, why, why were they not involved? Were they involved in the conversation? Did you reach out to them? You know, why are there no, why are there no plans to help them? Um, and just like the previous story, why were there with plans to help those small businesses that were going to get fenced in, basically, literally, by the by APEC? Um, no one thought about that in advance. It's just shocking. And it's just like it's like if 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 they didn't know that they're like all of a sudden now people are fencing stolen goods, uh, masquerading as legitimate street vendors. Like, get the fuck out of here! Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. My goodness. Well, um, they certainly sent enough cops, I think, and motorcycles to deal with the situation, <laughs> to, to deal with the, the vendors who were uh, basically rallying for their rights. Um, and I always love the look of cops when they're getting, they know they're getting filmed by media, like from across the street. They're just sort of like, it's this combination of like trying to look tough, but not too tough and look like they're you know, not like they're not paying attention to you or they don't care that you're filming them, but you know, it's completely obvious that they are, they are uh, very offended by the fact that you're, they're being filmed. So always fun to watch, watch right. them squirm. Their self-consciousness is written all over their face, but they're trying not to look at you and their body language too. Just the, it's that false sense of security. They're kind of like stiff, but too stiff, right? Like a rooster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, um, well, stay, we can stay in San Francisco for winners and losers because there's just a lot of losers in San Francisco this week, as usual. Um, but apparently, uh, there's a restaurant 
that is having a rent dispute with its landlord and I don't somehow they're connected to the police union and now there's some retaliation happening against the restaurant. So Sounds allegedly, fun. allegedly. There's a new twist in San Francisco linked to a scandal more than two decades ago. The Police Officers Association is suing a tenant in a building that it owns, a restaurant, for COVID-related back rent. Our investigative unit, though, has learned one of the restaurant's owners was a key player in the infamous Fajita Gate scandal. Remember that? Adam no. Snyder's one of two men who were allegedly assaulted by three off-duty San Francisco cops who wanted their takeout fajitas back in 2002. What? Snyder called 911 to report his friend was being severely beaten and then testified against the officers later in a criminal and civil court cases. You know, but all I did was tell the truth. And, you know, I feel like because I did that, um, they've, you know, held it against me since then. We fast forward to the present day. Snyder now says his restaurant, The Brixton, is the victim of retaliation from the Fajita Gate case. He claims the POA was negotiating with him over the unpaid rent that accrued during the pandemic. But once the police officers union realized, those officials realized who he was, the POA stopped talking and filed a lawsuit for 375,000 bucks in back rent. They're forcing us out of business. Um, and our, our family, we call them family, our staff is gonna be the ones to pay the price. Snyder's retaliation claim was included in court papers filed today. The Police Officers Association did not respond to our request for comments. So there's a couple things. Somebody in the chat just asked, did the police union can be your landlord? No, nah, it's a good fucking question. I don't think the police union should be allowed to be your landlord. Well, apparently they are allowed, um, and they are an independent entity. They are allowed to own property. Um, I'm sure some police unions probably own property that they house their cops in because especially in California, it's fucking expensive as shit to live here. Um, even with a police officer salary. So yeah, it's, it's legit. It's legal. Um, and it's also a way that they can make money too. Right. Um, it's like an investment. Um, because they're just like anyone, any other group, they're, uh, they're a registered business, right? So they can, they can do that. Um, I absolutely hundred percent believe that this is retaliation and that, I can, I can 100% believe that guy's story that, you know, they didn't know who he was and then they found out who he was and they, you know, it's just how cops operate and how, how police unions especially operate. They have these long labyrinthine memories um, and they, uh, if you're not with them, you're against them, right? And as soon as they found out that this guy was who, that was that guy, um, absolutely. Right, but like they would, they would pull something like this. This was twenty years ago, and also like I don't know, don't whoop that ass over some fajitas. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I, yeah, agree, totally agree, and I, I think that um, the owner of the Brixton would agree with you too. Um, but yeah, it's, it does not surprise me at all that this is how uh, they chose to operate. Um, so twenty years, thirty years, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a chance to get the guy that got them, so they're going to take it, right? These damn communist bastards coming after us. The only, the only thing, don't trust anybody if they're your employer and they refer to their uh, business as a family because that ain't your family. <laughs> it's your employer, okay? Unless it literally is your family, like uh, if you're, it's, a, it's a mom and well, if it's a family, if it's a family one. business, he wouldn't have to caveat that his employees That's, are like his family. Oh yeah, very very true. But I'm saying just don't call them family unless they literally are your family. 
I mean, I've had some pretty good fucking fajitas that I'd fight a motherfucker over, but like not like not the I wouldn't go after the people that made them. Like if there was just one last fa- like fajita plate, I would fight you for it, Councilman. Don't don't get it twisted. I'm a burrito guy. It's okay. You can have my fajita. All right. I, I well, wanna, I want to have peace in the world, so you can have my fajita. We're gonna go across the bay from San Francisco to Oakland. What's going on with the uh, ex uh, police chief of Oakland? Well, you know, wrongfully fired, perhaps, or wrongfully let go. Um, been trying to get reinstated. Not so lucky in that regard. Needs something to do, and now is volunteering at a high, on a high school basketball team as the like assistant coach. Um, so very interesting story. Caught a, a week before Thanksgiving, and thought we would run here just to see, learn a little more about uh, the fall from grace in in public service and how quickly it does happen. New at six, former Oakland Police Chief Laron Armstrong is taking on a new role. Instead of leading the police department, he's helping now create unity on the basketball court. Armstrong is now the newest coach at Oakland's Bishop O'Dowd High School. Here's NBC's Valina Jones. From chief to coach. Former Oakland Police Chief Laron Armstrong is now Coach Armstrong for the boys' varsity basketball team at Bishop O'Dowd High School. They had no idea who he was. I mean, I've seen him take a couple threes, but he's got a nice form. Senior players say it's not only advice from the three-point line they're picking up. It's like a father-son relationship in terms of just him being a mentor to me for mental stuff, uh, physical stuff on the court, and then just, just IQ stuff like basketball basketball plays. He's definitely made an impact, um, kind of just another guy we can talk to. Armstrong is not new to the court before ever putting on a badge. He played both high school and college ball, but it's the lessons off the court he hopes will make the biggest impact. Get to see people who really don't know who you are <laughs> and all of the things that you've been involved in, and they just see you as somebody that they appreciate being here every day, uh, that your commitment to helping them matters to them. Lou Ritchie, Bishop's head coach and a friend and neighbor of Armstrong, is the reason Oakland's former top cop is now helping the team run plays. Ritchie says he believes it won't just help the players, but also give Armstrong a new path after the mayor effectively fired him earlier this year when he still has a huge impact in our community um, so seeing him smile seeing him talk about basketball um, we don't talk about anything that has to do with you know Oakland police while he's here so it's great for him uh, to get away from that part of his life it was in the past and be able to give here be here for the kids while Armstrong's application to get his old job back is still pending he says his commitment to Oakland won't change whether he's holding a badge or basketball I'm trying to pay it forward. I've been really fortunate, and, and despite whatever has happened, I'm really blessed to have risen to the position that I have. And so if I can encourage young people to not forget to come back and volunteer and give back, I think that would be the most meaningful thing. In Oakland, Valina Jones, NBC Bay Area News. So if I'm remembering correctly, this guy got kind of fucked over. There was a moral panic around crime in cities, and he was the sacrificial lamb, even though he was doing his job i mean i don't yes. like his job right yes. <laughs> but yes. th- this guy got this guy got fucked over by this very same people actually who are reporting on him being a basketball coach right now right um no you are remembering correctly and you know uh sheng tao the new mayor you know has, has had to deal with you know questions of you know 
legitimacy and uh, strength as a mayor. So uh, this is, was a bold decision that um, I don't, she didn't necessarily lead, but uh, certainly uh, played a role in um, as a means of, I think, boosting her public safety credentials, right? Um, similar to what's what you're seeing from Mayor Breed in San Francisco and other sort of semi-bootlicking mayors. Um, so yeah, uh, he was the victim of that kind of politics. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, actually good on him. Honestly, this, this could probably end up in another thing any other week. Um, and because, uh, you know, Hey, I, I can't fault him for wanting to inspire youth. And he, he had a nice little dig there, uh, at the, at Oakland, at least when he mentioned, you know, that, that they're, they listen to him and they respect him for, for what he's offering, right. And the work he's putting in. And it's great to see that. It's great to ha be appreciated for, <laughs> for the work that you're doing every day and putting in every day. Um, just a little dig at his former employers probably. Um, so hey, good on him. Uh, and I do uh, interesting to see what happens, uh, as his, his application matriculates its way through the system. But I don't, I don't know if there's like a hearing or something we can possibly watch in public comment um, when he uh, comes back for consideration again. But um, that's probably more symbolic than anything else. I don't expect that he would get his job back, but uh, it could be interesting watching. No. And <clears throat> I don't know. This is a better, I don't know, but fucking I'd rather, have, I'd rather have anybody coaching basketball than fucking running the police department. I mean, somebody got to run the police department, but I, I don't know. I don't know if he got ousted during a time of high, like what the, during the moral panic about high crime rates, he might've been fucking telling everybody to chill the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? Chill the beans. And it could have been, I, I, I have no way to know this. Right. But I could see a scenario in which they're like, well, the media is on us for a rising crime. And he's like, um, I have the numbers here and the crime hasn't really gone up too terribly much. And I think we need to calm down and uh, focus on what's important or some, you know, some version of that may have happened i again i'm just i'm doing fanfic about this guy now because he's a basketball coach and i like him again right. so well and he was he was sort of like this before when he was the chief he was the guy that was getting out and shaking hands and talking to people in the community and wanting to put a face to the department right and build more trust so um i don't know maybe it's that maybe uh, something else maybe there's just a, an element in the community that doesn't like black police chiefs you know that's entirely possible um so i know the police commission in oakland had some i think they had something to do with it but um i forget what the reasoning was given at the time for why he was let go other than um like it was disobedience or something or di I, I don't know um di didn't obey direct orders um but i you know he's the chief so i don't know how that works out well anyway. You know, I think, and again, I'm just sort of speculating here, but one of, I think one of the jobs of the police chief is maybe to buck when the city asks for, for ridiculous things or goes down a, a you know, a, a non-productive path because they're, you know, fear of, you know, in this case, a moral panic. It just reminds me of um, during the satanic panic in the eighties, the FBI of all people were running around telling all these cop shops to stop trying to stop trying to chase down all the goth kids because they probably weren't serial killers and again i don't i have no information about this but it, you know i you, you think it's you'd think it would actually be you know if they were doing a good job it would be within their job description to buck when they were told to do something stupid so one would hope and there, there would be uh, an ability to do so without um having to face you know retaliation or uh yeah termination for that matter um, you would expect that, but, but, uh, at the end of the day, you know, power wins, um, and, uh, you can fight all you want, but if, if, 
the electeds, if the political cognizanti are not in your corner, you're not going to last long um, in public service. That's why a lot of public servants just sort of put their heads down, do their job nine to five, go home and don't think about it. Um, but just do their job while they're there because they don't want to, they, they don't want to excel because then you excel and you get promoted to a you know, director position and suddenly you're on display and you're having to report to the council and uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're having to justify your existence, you know, on a regular basis. Um, and you're the point person and you're also going to be the sacrificial lamb when things go south. Right. Um, and you don't want to work too, you don't want to slack off too much because then you get laid off, right? The next time there's layoffs, uh, and you lose that in your pension. So most public servants just try to find a nice happy medium, uh, in there and just do their job and go home and, uh, and don't bring it home. Right. Right. Um, they care. It's not that they don't care. It's just that they know that they know the job and they understand the the politics that are at play and they just try to they're trying to survive in a lot of ways. Yeah, so, uh, so now we're gonna move on to a, a police department that I'm fairly familiar with and that I actually I saw uh doing generally uh nothing actually. Like <laughs> honestly. Well good. Now they don't I mean they didn't get a little, they didn't get a ton of grant money from the state for um doing something, so now they can do less, I guess. Well, I, you know, I've never, I don't know. I've never lived in a safer place than Campbell. And, uh, the, my favorite thing about it was these two cops that would patrol Campbell Avenue without even, without a gun or a fucking belly club or anything, just Make fucking sure walking cops. around, seeing what the fuck was going on. And like, it was like, I mean, they weren't, you know, it would have been a little bit cooler if they would have had a drink with me, but you know, they were on the job. Uh, but it looks like they're not getting some grant money for retail theft. I was unaware that like retail theft was also a problem uh, in Campbell where I used to live. Uh, but that's probably because I don't live there anymore. Maybe so. at the prune yard. Maybe at the prune yard. Maybe. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. The story will have more information. I'm sure. Well, here it is it's from K KPIX. Retail theft is becoming more brazen and more prevalent in many places across the country and here in the Bay Area. Our Kelsey Thord talks with a South Bay store owner who's made some major adjustments in response to this unfortunate trend. San Jose camera and video here in Campbell has been robbed several times. Police say organized retail theft here in the city has become a big issue. But when they applied for grant money from the state, they only received a fraction of what they asked for. Chris Sismondi's family has owned San Jose camera and video for generations. The store will actually be celebrating its 100th year in business in 2027. But Chris says these past few years have been tough, bringing challenges the store's never seen before. It's brazen, like the armed robberies and people just running in with masks and guns, putting people on the ground and then grabbing merchandise and running out. Earlier this year, five suspects robbed the store at gunpoint, stealing $60,000 worth of merchandise and shooting one of the employees. Chris was there when it happened. It's an interesting feeling. I don't know really else how to explain that, just interesting. So yeah, scary, but interesting as well. All five Your employee got were shot. eventually arrested it's, up it's in Alameda County, but Campbell police say this incident was just one of several organized retail thefts in the city this year. That's why the department applied for a state grant, asking for over $6 million to expand things like its drone and license plate reader programs. 
But when the grantees were announced, Campbell's police department was awarded the least amount of money among all of the recipients, just a little over $400,000, a fraction of what they were hoping for. Chris told me he was sorry to hear that. He thinks more funding could have helped. So more funding was always beneficial to businesses and even the people that live here too. For now, Chris and his family are relying on themselves to up security, adding more safety features to their building in the hopes that that will deter criminals. We added silent alarms, things of that nature to kind of help. Don't ever. With, you know, when people come in, you know, hopefully it, you know, notifies the police quicker and they get here quicker. And Chris told me it still feels surreal to have to think about safety features like that. But sadly, he told me he believes organized retail theft like this is going to be around for a while into the future. I don't like him. I mean, I don't think he should get robbed, but I don't like him. First of all, he said it was interesting when one of his employees got shot. I'm like, whoa, dude. I mean, maybe he was nervous about being on camera, but he didn't seem nervous about being on camera. No, he, he's the one pushing this story. I mean, they're the only business that they talk to. Um, and so, yeah, he's the one obviously pushing the story. Uh, so, uh, interesting. That's certainly an interesting word to use for a situation where you witnessed one of your employees getting shot um, and your business robbed. I've actually shopped there before at San Jose Cameron Video uh, in the distant past when I was uh, a film nut. Um, so good, good place, good spot to get some camera action going on. Those, those cameras that actually shoot film kids, like film, we'll tell you about that some other time on down ballot. But anyway, um, and also giving up the gun, the ghost on his new security system. Like, Hey guys, we've got a silent alarm. <laughs> yeah. Dude, don't ever tell anybody about that. Shh. You can't hear it, but I'm going to tell you about it on TV. Um, my goodness gracious. <laughs> That's the, That's now it's not a silent season. alarm, is it? Because it got broadcast on the news. I mean, there's things that you can't hide, like cameras, like the cameras you had outside and whatever, but there are things yeah. that you can hide and you shouldn't talk about. Well, I mean, it's the best kind of place, actually. Like, he sells cameras. Like, any of the cameras inside could be rigged, right, to be a camera. You know, you'd think it'd be the safest place on Earth. <laughs> he could have all the cameras set up, but it's still not a deterrent, necessarily. But people are going to be brazen and come in the middle of the day with a gun and shoot your employee. I don't think they give a fuck about the security cameras outside or inside. But um, right. I, I didn't... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, you just walk in and all... Why are, like, why are all the cameras pointed, like, at the door? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I did... Uh, uh, think this was very much a no, like no context story right so they they talked to the one business and then they met rep, reference that Campbell got the least amount of money of any city that applied right well Campbell's a small city right so it, it could who knows it could have been that they didn't have enough money to give everyone what they asked for right and they had to do some sort of sliding scale right and Campbell just right. happens to be a uh, less than city 40 and, less than 40,000 people live in Campbell there you go. So they got more, they got like, you know, 10 bucks for every one of those 40,000 people. That's not bad. Um, but they probably had a sliding scale, you know, who knows that maybe that's the case, maybe not. Right. Or um, maybe it's just that they're, they also may have assessed the crime threat. And like, I don't, I'm just telling you, man, I have never lived anywhere in my life that I felt safer than when I lived in Campbell. I felt not only safe, like from violent crime, but safe from the cops. Honestly, I well, did not go. feel like the cops were there to harass me. There are, you know, probably factors in that that may be different for other people. Um, people who look different than me, maybe carry themselves different than me. People who weren't, um, you know, d for most of the time I lived there, I was making pretty good fucking money. So I was hanging out at like the, the bistros and, you know, kind of nicer places on Campbell Avenue and 
you know, if I was going to smoke a joint, I'd be smoking a joint in front of a restaurant where my dinner just cost 80 bucks. <laughs> so maybe the police aren't going to fuck with me. Right. So like, no, they're, they're probably there eating on their break too. Um, for sure. But, uh, yeah, yeah. No, and, and I, I don't know what the context or the, the guidelines or the, you know, the, the rubric was for this grant. Right. I don't know what kind of numbers and stats they had to produce as a city, um, about their crime rates and statistics like that. But yeah, you're right. If they look at that, then they're well, the need, if we're doing like an equity thing, the need is not really there. Right. Um, and just the socio, I mean, the socioeconomics of Campbell, it's small, dense and pretty well off, well to do. Um, yeah, otherwise it wouldn't be able to support restaurants where your dinner is $80. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't think Atherton's getting that kind of money either. So, um, anyway, uh, but 6 million is a lot. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what their police budget is, but that's a big chunk of change for a city like Campbell. So yeah, they're, they're, I mean, going for it. They're like, just, just, <clears throat> just like there was a, a former Campbell cop who hung out at my friend's restaurant and he said, you know, Sunday afternoon, there'd be four cops patrolling the whole patrolling all of campbell now mind you campbell's tiny ain't, ain't shit going on there except day drinking so like they don't have a whole lot of they don't have a whole lot of fucking shit to deal with but yeah like what what do they need six million dollars for drones they can do one drone and cover the whole city more dogs more canine units and tanks lots of tanks oh they got rid of their tank, tank. i think a tank uh, a uh, tank uh, after pressure from the city they got rid of their tank oh that's right yeah there was there was all that backlash tank tank lash yeah that was good right. though that was the people went to the city council and was like you have what <laughs> like just regular people were the, the nimbys got it right for once in the, in, the, in the case of the tank they're like no tank in my backyard we just you know i'm i'm offended that i only just heard about this meeting that i'm speaking at nobody told me about it they're like my 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 four bedroom house is worth two point six million dollars. Why do you need a tank? I moved into this in this community forty years ago, and we pay high property taxes to live in this community. And I don't want you spending my property taxes on a tank. But that's that's actually the only good nimbyism, right? Yes. Well, they can be leveraged for very specific purposes. We should respect our nimby friends when we need them, and shit on them when we don't. That's correct. So what's going on with uh, drugs at a uh, high school? Dude, kids are doing them. Well, let's That's find all. out more. That's it. Tonight, two parents at one Oakland middle school are furious. School. They say a classmate mm -hmm. gave their children and oh, others sorry. psychedelic mushrooms during class. And at least <laughs> oh. one of the students got sick. Now the parents are pointing fingers at the, the school staff and the well, district over yeah. how they're handling the whole thing. Our Betty Yu spoke with both parents tonight and tells us what the district had to say. Middle school, sorry. A handful middle of students school. at Westlake Middle School ate candy from a classmate last Monday that parents say turned out to be chocolate shrooms. The Oakland Unified School <clears throat> District said most of the students who ate the candy only had a small portion, but one student ate enough of it to get sick. In my case, my daughter was drugged um, because she took something without the knowledge of what was in it. I feel like if a child is exposed to drugs, whether knowingly or unknowingly, they should call a parent immediately. Brittany said, thankfully, her daughter didn't fall ill, but she's disappointed she didn't hear from the principal until about two hours after staff members were notified. I was upset for one. Um, I was concerned, highly concerned, um, because she does have allergies 
she could have lost her mind and never came back from it. So I had a lot of thoughts and there was really no empathy. Even if you don't know what's going on, I should be immediately notified that my, un my underage daughter is at school high off something that she didn't know she was taking. Veronica, who didn't want to show her face on camera for privacy reasons, is also frustrated. She said after staff members asked if the students felt okay, they were allowed to go about their day. You let my child unsupervised. So well, they were at school. I feel like they should have kept them all in a room with no supervision. These are kids. No, they wait a minute. You want the kid to freak out? But yeah, they're seriously. Mushrooms just. Just leave them in a fucking room, a white, a white, a room with white painted walls and fucking like nothing and to do and lights that are just buzzing a little bit in the ceiling. God damn. And the vice principal in the corner, like, would you like a cup of water? How, how do you, how do you feel? Can I get you anything? Would you like a snack? Yeah. You know, I, pretzels? it sounds to me like all things considered, the school was like, okay, you don't feel ill. You feel different than you normally do. Um, they probably didn't just say, oh, get out of here, go about your day. They said, if you can, if you feel like you can go about your day, go about your day. And if you need help, come back to the office. I can't you imagine didn't. them saying anything like they weren't like, oh, you're high. That's great. Go to math. You know, <laughs> I would take advantage of the opportunity to be like, kid, you tripping. <laughs> right. Anyway, sorry. Let's, let's play what the rest it is of it. to be high off this. And even if not, they're under your responsibility. She said she took Brittany's child and her daughter to the hospital to get checked out as a precaution. But we're told hallucinogens do not show up on common drug tests. And too much time had also passed for shrooms to show up on a specific test. In a statement to KPIX, the district said, once we were alerted to the issue involving that sick individual and all the others, we immediately started investigating and called the families of all involved. Several young people went home and the rest stayed on campus and continued their day as normal. As far as the student who brought the candy, the school said it's addressed the person appropriately and asked families to pay close attention to what their kids are consuming. Veronica said the child was suspended for a few days, but she wants that student expelled since she has a prior record of similar actions. I just explained to my daughter, you know, regardless of who it is, everyone's not your friend because in this case, that is a friend. We reached out to the district again late this afternoon for a response to the women's specific concerns. We have not yet heard back. I don't know, like, what, how do you, Okay, sending the kids home is fine. Except, like, what are the kids going to do? They're just going to sit in there. The parents, the kids, like, high on shrooms, and the parents are going to, like, have a million questions for them. And that's, then they're going to, like, maybe somebody there had done mushrooms before and was like, listen, listen, everybody, listen, hold on. I, I, got, I got a couple things to explain to you. Uh, having everybody them sit in the should. nurse's office for the rest of the day, bad idea. Very bad. They're for Very sure going to freak out. Um, yeah. Sending them home. Maybe the parents don't understand this and the parents are going to be asking them all these questions. Bad idea. These kids are going to freak out. Right. And the other thing is maybe some of the, the, the one parent said that it was a very small amount. Maybe some of the kids didn't really feel anything. Could be right. And frankly, I, I've, uh, I remember call when I first started doing hallucinations before I lost my mind completely and never came back. Um, yeah, <laughs> still trying to get back. I, I do recall not, not really feeling a whole lot, the maybe the first couple times even, um, and wondering, like, is it, ha like, that standard stereotypical, is it happening? 
am I doing something? Am I high? Am I tripping? And nothing really feeling all that great. And then maybe the third or fourth time um, with a little help from our good friend Cannabis, um, suddenly, woo, hey, grandma, how you doing? You've been dead for 18 years. Um, so yeah, I, I could totally see them just, a few of the kids just not really feeling much of anything. Um, I do appreciate, uh, what, what was it the, the gal said earlier, you know, uh, uh, you're putting this thing in your body, you know, so my, my kid got sick. Well, it's like, yeah, that's the point I mean, is to get sick when you eat shrooms. It's a poison. You're putting poison in your stomach. So yeah, you get sick, but you, you know, that's what causes you to see all the, the, the shiz. Um, they're, they're doing it right. Don't worry. Don't worry. The kids are okay. Kids are okay. Let but, them, f- let them free, let them wander, let them do their thing. I don't, just don't it, lock them in the principal's office. Nothing. Okay. I guess <clears throat> contacting all the parents immediately was probably a good idea. Um, sure. Well, you have to, you have to. And I, we only heard from, I think we heard from two parents and it sounded like it was a, a handful of kids, right? I don't know how many kids a handful is, but uh, it sounded like it was a handful of kids. Maybe some of the parents were like, like a little more level headed and they're like, Oh, she, you know, he or she uh, said they feel fine. Well, they can go about the rest of their, you know, I'll, I'll talk to them when they get home and see what's going on. And if there's a problem, you know, if there's, if this is becomes a bigger problem, please let me know. I would hope, I would hope that they're like that. And then there's also, there's also the possibility that, that they just don't want to be on camera or be known to be having a kid that did shrooms or something or was involved in this at all. Right. They don't want to be on the news. So um, there's that <laughs> potential too. But, yeah, we know Billy tried shrooms. Okay, stop right. stop bothering us about this. <laughs> don't bother us. Um, they just don't want to be a story, right? So um, I, I can see that too. Uh, and But it's good. Hey, the district, it, I've, again, I've worked in that position before with things even more tenuous than this, right? And and not as innocuous as, as this can, could be. Um, but you're always dealing with that time frame of, you know, parents want to know yesterday what happened today. That's just, con- I, and I can kind of get that now as a parent, but I'm hoping to God that I don't turn into that <laughs> as my, as the big, the bad baby gets older. Um, but I can, I can see where that comes from um, because you want to protect them, right? You want to make sure they're absolutely hundred percent protected when they're not around you, but there's no way you can protect them 24 seven. Once you start sending them to school, right? Things are going to happen. And when they get older, things are going to happen and the school's not going to have any control over it. And it's not going to have any ability to do anything to, to help you. You're going to have to have a good enough relationship with your kid that, you, you know, that they'll come to you and you're going to know what's going on in their lives. And to that's a, it. Right? To be a fly on the wall in the teacher's lounge that day. Right. <laughs> t- let me tell you, let me tell you what happened. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it's very difficult to, you know, to please parents in this situation, you could get the message out five minutes after it happened. You could be on the phone with the parents and say like, Hey, your kid took well, but, mushrooms, right, right? But you're not going to even figure out what the fuck's going on in five minutes. Correct. It probably exactly. took a non-insignificant portion yes. of the school day to even figure out what was going on. Correct. And what you don't want to do is frighten anyone, especially if there's no, it's not a life or death situation, right? It's not an emergency situation. Um, they're sick, right? They have a poison. They took a poison. They're, they're getting, they got food poisoning basically, which is what shrooms are. If, in case anyone didn't know um and so they're just gonna weather it out and see how see where things go but they probably had no idea what it was until you know yeah two hours later and then that's when parents got contacted but you don't want to raise red alert right especially today with next door and everything else out there and the parent lists on, and the parent groups online and the chat groups and the signal groups you don't want to raise you know crazy hell over something and you don't know what you write like you don't know what it is you have no idea what's what's going on 
Uh, so you want to figure out what's going on before you put any message out there, because that message is going to get disseminated and, and shared around like wildfire. Um, so yeah, imagine sure like if you go to the parents with incomplete information, then you got to go to them later and go, "Oopsie!" Well, now you look like you don't. Even, now you look incompetent, right? Like yeah, and they're, and they're on next door saying that they're on next door saying they, they're lying to us. They're, these people don't know what they're doing. You know, no confidence. We should recall them, right? That's like that's how you get to those things. So. Right. It sounds to me like all things considered, because the school had to make a decision pretty quickly. It sounds like yes. they did handle this about as well as they could have. One lady was like, oh, they were unsupervised. It's like, no, lady, they were in class. Right. The kids were fine. The kids were fine. They were, uh, no one's hurt. You know, a couple of kids got sick. You know, should this have happened? No. You got to have a conversation with the kid who brought the stuff and gave it out. But don't expel them the dumbest thing to do right like if a middle school kid's bringing chocolate mushrooms and handing them out in class that's a signal that's a signal of something else going on in their lives that has nothing to do with their ability to learn right or their or their their um their right to have a free public education so don't kick them out have a conversation with them and if any parents are squishy about that kid being in their class they can ask for a transfer and not not for nothing there may be more going on here I mean, these, those kids may have bought those fucking chocolates right and none of them wanted to say that they bought them those fucking chocolates mm-hmm. yeah no exactly drugs aren't free uh, friendo it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff man those chocolate ones if you can get it anyway um someone was and one of the kids was baking with it apparently that's what, the, what they were cooking with it the lady said i don't know why you would cook with chocolate mushrooms i could see if you just get a bag of mushrooms like i don't know what they are but like chocolate oh they probably mushrooms? just baked them baked them or not make like, like it was probably in fudge and it just was settled into the fudge because shrooms right. are nasty right no they're horribly nasty like i'm tea is always what i did i would just boil boil them and make a tea out of it that was always the easiest thing to do drench it with honey oh memories dave memories yeah, I, I didn't ever, I, it never occurred to me to do uh, any hallucinogens at school, though, because then you're stuck at school. Yeah, that's bad news. I wrote a script once where that, that happened, because um, I'd read about it happening, uh, and just, I can't imagine how horrific that would have been. <laughs> but then again, I went to an all-boys Catholic high school, so. Ooh, yikes. Yeah. Well, middle that school, explains. school that would have been more fun. People are learning more and more about you by the week, Mr. Councilman. I'm just dropping knowledge all over the place. You know, I'm, eventually we're going to come out and, you know, go public and, and bring all the friends to this show because there's a lot of folks that would love to watch this show, but I'm just afraid that they're going to not going to like what I have to say about them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing. This show is only Sorry. the 10th most popular, uh, uh, California news show. I thought we were ninth. I forget. I keep forgetting every time um, I, I actually just don't read that person's email anymore because what they want <laughs> is my money. And I don't know if it was popular so much as it was like the best. And the best. I guess he was the one saying the doing the rankings. So yeah, yeah, he's that a, dude. I bet. I bet. I I wonder if like each link that he sends actually just puts everybody at number nine or ten or whatever. <laughs> it's like dynamic depending on where you click the link from. Yeah, congratulations! You are ninth on my list. Uh, anyway, <laughs> shall we get our shit together? Um. Well, somebody should. Well, guess what? If there's a high rise in San Francisco that needs to get its shit together, producer Dave. I'll give you one guess as to which one it is. I have the the docket in front of me, so it's cheating. So it's not that one. Oh damn it! Yes, it's not Millennium Tower for once. Uh, there was actually a uh, another high rise that's gotten into the news for um, having some issues that residents are not so happy with, and they actually had to get moved out for. So we're going to find out more uh, from this story from NBC Bay Area. 
Bad news as we head into Thanksgiving for dozens of people who live in a San Francisco high rise. They were displaced nearly 18 months ago after a bizarre flood inside that building. Yeah, and many had been waiting for a date to move back in. Well, they're now hearing that won't happen until next year at the earliest. Here's NBC's Christy Smith. My initial reaction is definitely, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Austin Caldwell says it feels like the goalpost keeps moving when it comes to 33 Tahama in San Francisco, a luxury high rise that he used to call home. I was a resident of 33 Tahama from July 2020 to June 3rd. 2022 when the the building flooded that flooding in june of 2022 displaced residents of the south of market building including caldwell he says even though the lease was coming to an end and he was planning on moving on the flooding still had a major impact i had stability in my life and you know the uncertainty and like honestly the mayhem that you know that flooding caused in 2022 you know it I, I, it caused really like a, a big part of it, like the downfall of my relationship and like Aww. it changed my life. Caldwell says the decision to move on was reaffirmed after learning that residents who do want to return will now have to wait even longer. This week, they received a letter announcing they're going to have to wait even longer to get back in the building. 33 Tahama let its residents know that there's going to be another delay to their return to the building most likely in the first quarter of 2024. Sam Singer is a spokesperson for Heinz, the developer. He says the delay is a combination of factors. Getting the parts, getting the labor, and then it's not the city's fault, but it takes a while to get this done properly. And it also takes a time to get it done and permitted properly. And that's what's taken a lot longer then assuredly the residents would like to have seen. He says their hearts go out to residents and says the owners have done everything they could to assist displaced residents. He says they're doing their best to get tenants back in as quickly as they can. To us, this is just another kind of pushing out. Nazi Fahimi is an attorney representing about 90 tenants in a lawsuit against the property owners. Fahimi says the closure has dragged on so long that some tenants have moved away. Others are worried something else might go wrong at the building, even as others count the days till they can return. Imagine being put out, put out of your home, um, bad enough, right? But then the notion of when is it going to be a fix? When am I going to be able to come back? When am I going to have some peace? In San Francisco, Christy Smith, NBC Bay Area News. The moral of the story is if you rent in San Francisco, just rent a, rent a shithole apartment because nothing, you never hear stories about the, what goes <laughs> on in like, like, you know, the, the non-luxury uh, apartments in San Francisco. Yeah, get get into one of those fourplexes in the sunset, right? And just uh, you know, get a rent controlled place and enjoy it. Why why go why bother with these big ass high rises that just seem to tilt and collapse and flood and the next one's gonna catch on fire? Who knows? Icicles, it'll freeze. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or just uh just a uh, uh pay by the week uh, motel. There you go. Just get an Airbnb. You'll be fine. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was fun that that was uh, not about the 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 Millennium Tower, but like it, <clears throat> I mean, these people are kind of well to do. These are luxury apartments, and um, but I mean, it still sucks. It still fucks. I mean, I'm sucks. not I'm not crying for the tenants so much as just like laughing at the whole situation, right? And um, how the best laid plans uh, often go awry. Um, I did like that. I felt bad for the the dude. You know, who's apparently his relationship was you know, destroyed by this incident. 
Um, but I did like the reporter kind of breaking in with her little awe there. Christy Smith <laughs> couldn't help herself. Oh, well, I don't know if anyway. the person's only dating you because you live in a luxury apartment. Maybe there's some other shit going on that you got to work probably on. Friend. Something happening there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to move on to down ballot watch. There's not a lot going on in um, local politics. That's especially local politicsy because you know, the, the holidays people be phoning it in and um, true. Looks, looks like uh, we have a house of representatives, a representative that would be Elena Eshoo. Uh She's not going to seek reelection in a 2024. Let's check out NBC Bay area's uh, coverage of it. And then um, I have some questions for you about what you think might happen next, actually. Sure. New at 11, a familiar name in the Bay Area and politics is retiring. U.S. Representative Anda Eshoo just announced Anna that she Eshoo. will not seek re-election in 2024. NBC Bay Area's Bob Riddell joins us live. And Bob, Anna Eshoo accomplished a couple of firsts, really, in her uh, career as Congresswoman. Correct. Good morning to you, Lori. You know, she was the first woman to cover California, to represent California District 16, which covers much of the peninsula behind me and parts of the South Bay. And she was also the first Democrat to do so. As she served 10 years on the San Mateo County Board of Supervisors before being elected to Congress, where she served 32 years in the House of Representatives. In a video post online announcing her retirement, the Congresswoman touted the fact that five different presidents signed 66 of her bills into law, including legislation surrounding health care, technology, and environmental policy. Over all the years, my legislation and my votes have reflected the values of my constituents, strengthen our democracy, protect our national security, perfect our union by making it fairer for all, and build an economy that lifts up everyone. The Congresswoman points out that she was able to accomplish what she did in the House in spite of the fact that two-thirds of her tenure was spent being in the minority. She will serve out her full term and then retire. That will be in January of 2025. Reporting live, Bob Riddell, NBC Bay Area News. Not bad. Retiring right at the top of the game, sharp as a tack. Nobody was ever like, oh, get rid of her. She doesn't know what's going on. True. It, it's getting. It was getting to that point that the whispers were out there. She had faced some challengers, some really nominal challengers, not serious at all, um, uh, in, in recent years. And it's still won handily and won re-election handily, and still sharp as attack. I would say I, I've no congressman issue, and I would I would say she's still very much on top of her game and knew what she was doing and was doing a fabulous job. But she was hearing the same thing shit that you hear about other, unfortunately, more women than men um, in politics. So you know, over you know, get, getting up there and. Uh, need to step aside, right? Um, no one's necessarily saying that to Joe Biden, even though they're saying it about him, right? Um, but you heard that a lot. So um, I think this is a good time for Congresswoman Eshoo to step down. We'll see what happens for her next. But what's happened here, even though this seem, this is just one story, this story, which landed last Monday, so a little more than a week ago now, um, triggered uh, Thanksgiving weekend of basically what is musical chairs and political musical chairs always one of the uh, the good wife's and mine uh, favorite games uh, because once you open up a congressional seat in an area like this, um, granted, as she was the first Democrat to represent the seat, but that's a safe Democratic seat. Um, it's Palo Alto. It's been it's a Mountain long time. View, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's the Southern Peninsula. It's Silicon Valley. It's very heavily Democratic, you know, maybe not, uh, maybe more moderate Democrats, right? And tech Democrats, but still very Democratic. 
um, a lot of those uh, you know, good white Democrats who believe in uh, you know social justice and all those things that they don't want to see in their community, but they hear about. They'd they like to see it on great. a national level, maybe in someone else's neighborhood. Correct. Correct. Um, so uh, yeah, they they love legalized weed, but not in their city, right? Um, anyway, but so it's a safe seat. So you open that up and suddenly everyone and their brother wants it because it's like a lifetime appointment if you can get it, right? Uh, so uh, sometimes you jump the gun like Ro Khanna and you don't wait for Mike Khanna to retire and you just go and try to beat him and you do beat him. And suddenly you flip the script. Well, here there's an open seat now. And on top of that, we're less than a week to the filing deadline for the March primary. So folks, if folks wanted to make a call on whether or not to run for this seat, they got to go now, right? I wonder if so she did that for fun. Well, it, I would, could, I would do, I'd do it the day before. Fuck it. <laughs> it could be, it could be that, you know, so she has, there's, there's something to this, you know, so there's at least um three or four major dudes, unfortunately, no, no women as of yet lining up to run for the seat, um, including Sam Licardo, former mayor of San Jose, um, who doesn't necessarily live in the district, but you don't have to live in the district to run in the district. That's a whole caveat of them. And house. it's it's not like he's hurting for uh, moving funds if you wanted to uh, be like, I actually purchased a house in the district and plan to be moving in there because I want to live in the district that I represent. Sure. He grew up in Saratoga too, which I believe is part of the district. So he can also reference that. Um, Evan Lowe, who's a state assemblyman, is widely expected to jump into the race. That, open, that would open up his seat because he is up for re-election next year and you can't run concurrently for both seats. So that's going to spark an election for his seat. There's already, I, I think, three I, candidates lining up for his seat. I can't see so. him. I, he's generally pretty ambitious, but I can't see. I, I just, I just like don't. Th I don't see that. I, I don't think that. And I could be wrong. Um, I don't. I don't see him doing it. I see him holding out in what he's doing right now, just because it seems like. And I, I know this seems weird. It seems like he in, like likes his job in the in the state government. It seems like he's enjoys it is effective he's well liked by his uh by his colleagues there it seems like and it it just it 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 i he it seems like the wrong move he's had some challenges recently um because he did uh there was a, a battle for the speakership and he ended up on sort of the wrong side of that and the the current speaker um did not appreciate that um and the previous speaker had also removed him of some of his chairmanships and his committee positions which are where you get all your power um, so despite the fact that he's an amazing fundraiser, he, uh, and one of the best fundraisers in the state uh, and, and among Democrats, he, uh, had, he, yeah, he created some, some ripples and those had impacts on him. So I can, I imagine that he might be interested in moving on, but it's, it's, it's almost confirmed. I, I, I can do everything, but confirm he is going to run for the seat. Really? Um, correct. Uh, and then, uh, a state senator, Josh Becker from the peninsula is going to jump into the race. Um, and there shall be, there more than likely will be more, um, folks thinking about it. Um, but it, again, all of those folks, you know, have seats of their own in some cases that get opened up. For example, in Evan's case now, you know, if his seat opens up now, there's three people running for his seat. So suddenly in March, you've got all these different elections happening that you weren't expecting to be races. So we're going to have a lot more fun is what I'm saying on down ballot watch as we cover these uh, these races coming up, we thought it might just be some San Jose City Council races, and that's it. Um, there might also be some really interesting shit happening in the mayor's race in San Jose, even though there wasn't much of a race, or there isn't much of a race right now, because Cindy Chavez has formally announced that she is not running. Um, but we'll see what happens, because now, at this point, who knows? Um, the filing deadline is next week. Is it e what, if, what if Evil Beto decides to run for this as well? <laughs> <laughs> 
that would be interesting. I don't think he's quite there yet. Uh, I don't think he's quite at that point yet. But um, like I said, it's a, it's one of those things where it's not, it doesn't come up very often. Like whoever gets this seat's probably going to be in it for the next twenty to thirty years. So, so. if <clears throat> if Licardo, I, I just as soon as I heard this, I just immediately thought Sam Licardo was going to be like the the sort of a presumptive front runner for this this seat. Um, well, I don't. But it sounds to me like you you didn't even mention him as as running. Is there some other <clears throat> is no, there some other position that's opening up soon that we're we're looking at Sam Licardo for like maybe the governor or no? He's been angling on he's been looking at Congress recently, and he made he made it clear to Zoe Lofgren that he thought about running against her uh, in the district he does live in. Um, so this is just an opportunity that he sees, and he's going to go he's going to go for it. And he, according to there's some early polling that says you know he's got the highest name id which is not surprising because he was the mayor of a major city locally and, and and regionally so not surprising there and people don't really know their state and their county officials but um i didn't get to the fourth candidate in the race that is a real um interesting player and that's joe Semidian, who's a current um uh, supervisor he's a former state senator and prior to that he was a supervisor and prior to that he was a city council member he's basically been an elected official his whole adult life. The swamp. Um, he's very, very close with Anna Eshoo. He and his wife are very, very tight with, with Anna. Um, and he's widely uh, widely thought to be sort of her handpicked successor, as it were. Um, so it's entirely possible that she waited until pretty much the last minute to line this up for someone who has been prepared and looking at running and raising money to run for this seat for a number of years and just waiting for Anna to retire. Um, uh, uh, and wouldn't challenge her, right? Because um, they're friends. So uh, it could be that she just waited until the last minute and set it up for him because he has the infrastructure to then ramp up a campaign and be ready to go and, and win a really short race, which is pretty much two months. It's two months until ballots go out in this race. And so, <clears> you know. as from, from, and I don't know anything about this other guy, but it, uh, my guess is that the dynamic, let's say, because I don't know anything about him, the dynamic would be that Evan Lowe would be attacking to the progressive side of uh, Sam Licardo, uh, more sure, or yeah, less. Sure, yeah, Sam would definitely go, Sam would definitely fall into the moderate, Democrat, business-friendly, Silicon Valley-friendly, you know, tech-bro-friendly kind of category. Uh, Evan has friends in the, that both spaces, all spaces. He's, he's, he is successfully uh, danced between the raindrops for a number of years and, and has a lot of friends in interesting places and a lot of strange bedfellows in his his network as it were um and then there's a state senator like i said josh becker who is a recently elected state senator but has been building a political base in the peninsula for quite some time and has a pretty decent base um and uh, represents uh the northern part of the district um so it's right now i think it's anyone's game out of those four i think any of them could could win and but, but it'll probably go to a runoff with the top two so we'll see what happens in in march well, well that's well, what you're well, angling for is top two We'll keep an eye on it. Um, I'm, you know, as a, as a, as the former mayor mayor of Campbell Avenue, I am a, I am a, I am you know biased in favor of the former mayor of Campbell. Uh, that hey, would be Evan Lowe. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. And but I, I, I think Sam Licardo would be good at the job. Um, and I don't know anything so. about the the other candidates you mentioned. So I, they, you know, I think they'd all. Like like I'd say about anyone, they they're all competent, they're all qualified. Um, I like some better for them. It's more about politics than anything else. So I think Evan is probably, yeah, probably the most progressive 
um, definitely certainly the youngest, most progressive, most um, uh, Gaijin of all yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's that angle as well too. He's the most. He's the diversity pick um, out of that whole cohort. So um, yeah, no, I think he's and he's got a great shot. He's like I said, he's, he's a mammoth fundraiser, and he's going to have to raise a lot of money really quickly. So he can do that, and he's a great organizer and has a lot of friends out there in the community. So he's built a lot of political credibility. Um, so as much as some folks in the state legislature may not dig on him anymore he's got a lot of friends so i would not count him out at all but it could be uh, if a republican gets in this race then you're looking at you know all these democrats splitting the other 75 percent of the vote because republicans are loyal as fuck and it doesn't matter who it is so, running but then but then the primary if, if a republican gets in the race and can can you know even come in second the primary is then the election Correct, because whoever, whichever Democrat comes out of that, is going to win right. more than likely in November. So, <clears throat> so yeah, this this is a it's one story, but it's triggered a ton of other stories. So, I, I actually left a couple things off the docket this week. We can get to next week. Um, uh, with in, in terms, well, this will be one to watch because watch. next week we'll know all of we'll know who all is announced because they hopefully yeah. Well, they don't have a choice, right? Isn't that deadline? The, you said it's in a week. It's a, it's the day after we do down ballot, oh, okay. so or two days after two days after down ballot, so. Okay. Um, We'll find. Well, so, I'm sorry, the Friday after. So we'll find out uh, the week after on down ballot. But we'll have a, a little more idea of you know the things will solidify by next week. We'll have a little more idea. So I I think if Sam Licardo doesn't run, it's it's I think Evan Lowe is going to be the one to beat. Unless this other guy that you talked about with this long history in that in that area is has enough name recognition and enough people like the stuff he's been doing. Because I mean everybody knows who Evan Lowe is around like in that like in the west valley like everybody knows who he is so he has yeah it, it he hasn't run or been on the ballot in a lot of the area that the district covers so that's the question it's just the people the casual observer right the people when it's just it's just name id is name of the game when it comes to really short elections too and just uh it's where sam has an advantage in, in as much as it, she, he's known he's a known commodity out there regionally um, but the guys like who've been like Sumidian who have been on the ballot in this area for many, 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 many years, like 30 years, he's been on the ballot. Like people know his name, even if they don't know who he is or what he represents or what he does, they know his name. And that goes so far in low, especially in local politics. Um, just having someone know your name, whether or not they know it for good or bad reasons, even, um, you're known. So that's, that's the, that's the biggest challenge is getting over that hump. And so, well, this we'll is real. this is really down ballot. This is good. I'm glad yeah, this, I'm you. glad this happened. Not just. Not just this, but like also just like this, this, this lady being able to like quit, like she's retirement age. She's, it's a, you know, she's going to, she's going to go live her best life. Hopefully she doesn't like go do lobbying or whatever. My God. Right. Hopefully or doing consulting or just write a book and relax, you know, Um, fucking read a book. Who cares? She's, she's, she's she's like, she's like my mom's age. It looks like. So just fucking sit around and read a book and enjoy your, enjoy the rest of your life, you know? Jackie Spear just retired from Congress a couple years, you know, uh, last cycle, and now she's running for county supervisor. <laughs> she's in the same. I don't. Know, I don't think she's quite as old as Congresswoman Eshoo, maybe, but she's been. She was in Congress for thirty years, and yeah, you know, she retired, quote unquote, and now she's back running for a supervisorial seat, which is frankly blocking, you know, the next wave, the next crop of leaders who are coming up, right? Because there's people dropping out of that race. Because why would you run against a former Congressperson, right? You're going to get crushed. Um, so there's a lot to be said for that too, for not just walking away gracefully, but like walking away and staying away, right. And staying out. Um, yeah, more, more to come on that. We'll have a lot more on down ballot, uh, next weekend and the week after on that race. So we're, uh, perfect timing We're we're going to be out of here right around nine o'clock, which is absolutely great for the, for the next show. But 
Every, everybody's second favorite type of story around here because everybody's favorite story around for down ballot is the fucking leaning tower of uh the leaning tower of what is the embarcadero or what millennium is, yeah. yeah oh i mean but it's the, the it's is that the is it an embarcadero? Oh, the embarcadero yeah i guess i guess it's a yeah I, I guess that's what it is downtown or uh, uh yeah they're the financial district so this one is a uh, car vehicle versus structure. Let's see. Let's see who wins. The last one we did, I was like, oh, I don't want to really. Uh, uh, the last one was uh, fucking horrifying. So hopefully this one's a little more fun. Yeah, sorry about that. I try to pre <laughs> pre scan them. Early this morning, a car crashed into a marijuana dispensary. KTVU's Amanda Quintana is in the Union Landing Shopping Center. So tell us what you know so far. Good morning, Amanda. High. Good morning. Yeah, so this is Courthouse Drive that we're on, and this uh, store behind me is a dispensary called Floor. Now, but it's the like an car store in there. just got towed away in the last 10 minutes, but you could see that garage door that's in front of the entrance of this store is broken open. Uh, and then the, on the floor, there's all of these items from the dispensary. So it seems to be an attempted burglary mm. here or, or a successful uh, burglary. We haven't gotten much information from police, but I wanna give you a look at some of the video that we've been shooting here this morning. <laughs> when we got here around five o'clock, you could see that the, the huh? back of the car was faced toward this store. So it looked like it had backed into this garage door um, and, and I guess pushed it open. When we got here, there were no suspects here. There was nobody in that car. So we're still trying to get information from police about whether people were arrested, whether they uh, took those people away. <laughs> but again, that car was just towed away about 10 minutes ago. There's a lot of stuff all over the floor, all of these of items from the dispensary. There is still a small police presence here, but we're trying to get more information about what happened. All police can tell us right now is that they're investigating a car into a building. They say that uh, their police sergeant will be out here to give us more information about what happened. But it seems like this happened a couple hours ago. Right now, they are still starting to clean up, get everything out of here. That car is out of here, but still a mess out here. And of course, you can see here. there's barricades, there's Delicious this garage mess. door. So <laughs> it seems like the store here. owner, you know, tried to <laughs> avoid something like this, but the car was pretty small. So it was able to still get in there uh, and, and cause some serious damage here. So I'll send it back to you. We're going to continue to learn more as we're here at the scene and try to get more information from police. Live in Union City, Amanda Quintana, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Somebody in chat suggested maybe it was one of the, the, the middle schoolers who took the mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Stole the car, backed it into the dispensary. It looks like they like broke in, right? And I can't imagine all that stuff was right behind that door. So someone like you know crawled through that crack and then probably tried to like bring a whole. I can totally see like a cartoon bringing a whole gang of shit, a bunch of flour and and uh, yeah, vape canisters and everything in their arms, coming out the door and like dropping them on the way out and just sort of holding whatever they could and running away. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what happened there, but. That <laughs> I think it looks like I don't know, vehicle one in that case. It seems like because they they got in and they they got some shit out, right? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I wonder if the uh, reporter was allowed to just grab a couple jars for herself. I think she did before she went on the air. Frankly, she was having <laughs> a hard time at the end of that that hit there trying to figure out uh, what to do, and she was kind of laughing about all the weed that was still on the ground. Um. 
I, I can't imagine. I imagine the police are still collecting evidence, right? That's probably why it's taking so long. But yeah, I think the, the, the vehicle, I mean, the vehicle had to get towed away. So maybe the structure did win in the end, but it looks like it accomplished what it was trying to do. So good on the vehicle. So maybe both win. The name situation. of the place was like floor in a fancy font. I bet the inside of that place is like everything is fucking white. Right. Yeah. Super fans. Like an app, like you said, like an Apple store for weed. Right. Just right. hell, hella bright $70 eighths. Yeah. You have to like, you pick up the eighth and it's like attached with some sort of like metal wire, right? To the, to the table. You have to and use an app to open the jar. <laughs> you can only see, yeah, you can only smell it. There's like a couple of holes in the top. You can smell the weed, but you can't actually like get it out. <coughs> All right. Speaking of weed, I got to go hit, hit the bong and call it an evening. Oh, you want to read the, the show out? Yeah, why not? Uh, thank you, as always, for joining us, folks. Uh, we do this show every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, except when we don't, like last week, when it was the good wife's birthday. Happy birthday, good wife. Um, we love seeing you here. We love uh, you watching. We love you downloading and sharing. Please do so uh, uh, aggressively, because we want to be more than the ninth best podcast about news and politics and stuff in California. We're coming for you, California Report. As always, please get your vaccines, especially right now. Wear a mask where it's appropriate. Pants are not necessary unless you really want to. We're going to play some audible smoke and transition into public comments. So please stick around, turn your reds light, and have a great week. Peace out. <laughs> Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for FTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We let get the fuck up on stage and rock the scene Yeah, we do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Enjoy that band I turn and head back to the bar For a refill, man, because you know where we are We're headed out to the car just smoke another one, and another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing, and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it, and then pass it to me, yeah We do what we want, and what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want, what we want to do what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band, enjoy that band. Last up on the field for the show tonight, it's down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside to spark up another joint. Now who's got my lighter? Stoner E, of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the U.S. economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stoner E, take you on a psychedelic high. 
Odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rocking me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rocky the rolly, all the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do it sloppily We do what we want What we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Echoplex and want to keep the conversation going with the hosts and community when we're not live? Then join our Discord server at discord.me slash echoplex. We have text channels, voice channels, meme repositories, and a whole section of screenshots that we don't even remember where they came from. Come join the now space on Discord at discord.me slash echoplex.